We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. We are here live at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. I'm joined today, special guest, good buddy of mine, known for a long time, sports journalist, podcaster. If you happen to be watching us on the video side, author, a great book, Blood and Guts, which is funny because Tyler Dunn, I'm talking about, by the way, for people who are listening on the <laughs> audio side. Tyler, what's going on? i not feeling the greatest, kind of powering through right now. I said, Blood and Guts kind of a is applying to your everyday life right now, man. How you doing? Well, I, I scared you with the DM earlier today. I had to put it out there, <laughs> hacking along, not feeling good. Then I went back and, you know, looked up Michael Jordan, Utah Jazz. Game five, I believe, was, yeah. was the flu game. And I said, you know what? If Michael Jordan can go for 30-plus with the flu, <laughs> I got to be able to uh, eat chicken wings and talk about football. So, yeah, no, no excuses. We're going to bring it. I promise you. <laughs> We'll give it a go, man. Um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to you. So Tyler and I had some wings before we started recording. By the way, the wings were bomb. Here. Incredible. They Incredible. Were. First time here, and they yeah. delivered. Yeah, this is I'm a- not quite the wing connoisseur you are, but I but I try to be. I'm a wannabe, and th- th- those were great. This is your first time ever in Imperial Pizza, period. Um, yeah, this place is really nice, man. I mean, they, again, we talked about this last week. They remodeled it. A lot of TVs later, a lot of space, plenty of uh, – Great food options. This is uh, this place is fantastic. But you know, it's funny because we were talking while we were eating, and um, I told you I had Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham on not too long ago, and Tim was under the weather when he came in, and he was like, "Oh, I don't know, if I'm gonna be able to power through. I, I can't. I'm not gonna be able to talk much. My voice, his throat was sore just like yours is, and he had some wings. In fact, they were Cajun type wings, just like we had some hot Cajun wings and. Lo and behold, at least for a good hour or so, he felt better, man. So maybe these wings there in Imperial got some kind of medicine in them, man. <laughs> I do, yeah. I do think that there is something there. You're not going to feel good the next day, right? That might be a little rough. Right. But in the moment, absolutely. Get, I, I feel it right now. I'm feeling better already talking to you. What are a few of your favorite places? I mean, everyone, you know, I talk about mine all the time at a point, and I'm sick of talking about them. Um, but, like, what are a couple of, uh, you know, we won't count this place. This place goes without saying. But what are a couple of your favorite go-to places for wings i mean 911 tavern yeah that's number one you, you have the the go-to 
chicken wing power rankings for everyone locally, nationally that ever wants to consume wings. So I, I just asked. I, I totally forgot who you had number one. I'm glad to know that you had 9-11 it's number 9/11. one. Yeah. Because I, I just I love a basic, hot, crispy, great texture, a lot of meat, satisfying. And I waited two hours for wings a couple weeks ago. I would have waited five hours for those wings. Yeah. They're unbelievable. So that that's number one. I mean, Elmo's is right up there. Sure. Barbell's right up there. You can't really go wrong with those spots as well. But I feel like 9-11, man. Just make sure you go to the bathroom probably before you know, the bathroom. But, but you don't go to eat chicken wings. You don't go for the toilets. Right. right. You, you know, a lot of these places that we talk about all the time, like 9-11 and Elmo's, you, you want to say, oh, so everyone says they're bar build. You know, these places are overrated, but they live up to the hype. You know what I'm saying? They're like, they're like Patrick Mahomes. You know, all the hype in the world about Mahomes, but he plays up to that standard. You know what <laughs> you I'm saying? You can hear Chris Collins. We're talking about 9-11 Tavern, right? <laughs> yeah, Oh, exactly. these wings at the spot. But he's really, he would be right. You, have you always liked wings? Now, see, it's funny because when I was a, a kid, I barely ever ate wings. I didn't like the sauce. So if I ever did have a wing, it would be plain. Like, it would just plain. I'm a very plain eater. Took me a long time to, to have any sauce, and then it would just be like maybe garlic parm, or then I would have mild, and it worked my way up to medium. And now I have hot, even though I'm usually a medium guy. Tyler, by the way, is definitely a hot guy. Yeah, Tyler likes to eat when he has his wings. But were you always a, a wing like when you were growing up? Did you eat wings a lot? Were you always a wing guy? Yeah, but you know what? I was a wuss. I went I went mild through yeah. high school. I remember my brother making fun of me. My younger brother, like, come on, Ty, step it up here. What are we doing? And I think as I, I as I lost hair on my head, as I maybe got a little hair on my chest and got a little older, a little wiser, you kind of work your way up the up the chicken wings because you got you got to have some some spice, you got to have some zap, some zing. You can still enjoy the wing when it's hot, uh, but you know, growing up in the southern tier, Randy's up the river was always the, the go-to wing spot. You know, just outside of St. Bonaventure University. So I remember going to. Tabana games with my brother, my dad, and we worked that Randy's trip. How far away did you grow up from here? Like right now, we're in the heart of South Buffalo here, Abbott Road. Like, and by the way, I know you're you're not too familiar with South Buffalo, but I say this all the time. There's two, and I'm sure where you grew up, you have a a place or two that's like a staple of that neighborhood. You know, like in South Buffalo, for food, it's Imperial Pizza. Yeah. If you want to go get your drink on, it's Doc Sullivan's, a little bar down the road, a, a very popular Irish bar, but like. How far away did you grow up from here? Like, where are a couple of spots where you grew up? No doubt. Yeah, I grew up in Salamanca, Great Valley, about an hour south of Buffalo. Went to school at Ellicottville. So we graduated probably like 45. Yeah. Out, out, out in the farms of Ellicottville, Great <laughs> Valley, New York. So, yeah, grew up down there, loved it, played sports, um, you know, football, basketball. We actually had our sexual championships here. Be honest Valley. with the people. What type of football player were you in high school? Oh, I can't talk about my myself like Come that. On. Come on. Were you all right? You're all right, player. I was, I was, I played. I was all right. quarterback. You know, we, yeah. we won at the Ralph, so we had, we had right. some memories. Okay. It was good. We, we took down Maple Grove, 14 yeah. to 6. Played at the Ralph. Yeah. Nice. We, we, you know what, though, Pat? We ran the ball all the time, constantly. Sweep right, sweep left, fullback dives. That was our lead blocker on the sweep. But what we would, what we would do is bring everybody up to the line, the corners, the safeties. And then we had, you know, a speed receiver, and I would just throw a bomb to him, and it worked every game. So it was, it was a simple formula, but people couldn't figure it out. We're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about your sub stack. We're talking about your podcast. We'll talk some bills. Talk some NFL. Nobody wants Uncle Rico reliving their <laughs> high school football days, right? And I, you know what? You don't want to talk about an hour. An hour. No, I think <laughs> I think it's I, I do. I I think it's fun, and I still look back fondly 
playing high school football. Yeah. I look back now and I'm like, I wasn't as good as I probably thought I was at the time. In fact, I know I wasn't. But anyway, so last week I had Damone Harris on, who's from Buffalo, born and raised, went to Bishop Time in high school, walk on at UB, plays in the NFL. Now he's got a Super Bowl ring. He won a ring with the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago. And when we were talking last week, I got a sense that the best times that he had in his life were high school. Like when he looks back at his memories, he probably looks back as fondly hanging out with his buddies, going to Bishop Time in high school as he does making great money right now and playing with some of the best football players on this earth. You know what I mean? When you look back, you know, before we start talking about your career and some football and stuff, but when you look back, I'm sure you do every now and then, you know what I'm saying? You go back to high school and stuff. Do you, do you feel that same way that Damone does? Like, those are some of the best times of your life at that age. I mean, hell yeah, absolutely. It was all downhill after high school football. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, hanging out with Brett Favre at his his spot down in Mississippi was was pretty cool. But you know, nothing that I do in my current job writing about football will ever live up to actually playing the sport. I mean, that's kind of why I wrote the book too. I mean, it's just the there's a, a purity to football that's just different than any other sport because it's just. It's just not for everybody, right? You can pick up a baseball bat or a basketball, go to the park, play with your buddies, but it's different when you put a helmet on, shoulder pads, and you know the injury risk is high. Sure. You're under the lights. The pressure is, you know, at ma maximum capacity. I just, I just loved all of that. There's something intoxicating about the sport, and I feel like you really learn life lessons in football that, I mean, you can still get in other sports, sure, but it is just different in football. I remember Chris Borland even mentioned this once. You know, Wisconsin linebacker, played a year with the San Francisco 49ers, and then shocked the world, sure. retiring early, and he cited concussion concerns. I remember writing stories at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel then. Like, did he change football forever? We caught up a few years later. You know, he's kind of getting finding, finding his new purpose in life outside of football, and he did. I mean, he, he, lo he loves his life. But he even said there's just something different about playing on a football field middle linebacker and knowing like if I screw up my job, I might get myself decapitated. I might get my friend lit up sure. and that inherent pressure is, is a drug and it's, you, you want more of that. And that, that's why it's so hard for, for NFL players to transition to life outside of that world. It's its own, you know, self-sustaining ecosystem. It's just different out there in the football field, the way that these guys hit each other at all these impossible angles. So yeah, my roundabout answer tell you that nothing, nothing beats actually playing the sport, but high school football, especially I played one year of college ball at St. John Fisher and it was fine. I wasn't very good. You know, I'm a high school quarterback. I'm playing linebacker. I was probably like mm -hmm. eighth string on the JV team at Fisher. It's like, yeah, I'm going to stick with journalism. Were you a good uh, student in high school? Yes. Yeah, I was pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. and then got to Fisher, got a three, nine and decided to transfer to Syracuse. I, I wanted to go to Syracuse all along, honestly, uh, for the journalism program, daily orange, but there was, a small part of me that was sad, right? To give up football. Sure. Um, nothing tops high school ball. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about your book. And look, I'm going to tell you straight up, confessionally, you're my boy. I'm one of your biggest fans. We've known each other for many, many years. I bought your book almost the day it came out. Not the day, but like within a week or so that it came out. Have not actually read it yet. I have been waiting on purpose. I got, there's more to my story here. <laughs> you're like, well, you read my book. Hey, Come man. on, life, life happens. No, well, it's not even that. I, I'm waiting for an opportunity where I could 
deep dive and not be distracted by anything else. And it's coming next week. This is the point that I'm getting to. I'm going to Florida next week. I got to take a connecting flight, and then I'm stuck in, like, Chicago or Baltimore or something like that for three and a half hours. So that's going to be my entire day there. <laughs> and coming back, I'm going to stick my face into this book, and I, I'm, you know that I'm looking forward to reading it. I, I wanted to ask you, where did you get the inspiration to write this book and more specifically about this topic, tight ends? Well, thank you so much, Pat. I appreciate that. And hope you enjoy Dicka, Shocky, Gronk. You can jump around, too. Me and Joe, me and Joe Pizzell, Pizzell and Buffalo wins. We're going to talk. You know, I, I know he's ready. So once I do, we'll have a show. Beautiful. We'll definitely talk about it. But go. <laughs> I mean, the inspiration is it's kind of what we're talking about here. Just yeah. Yeah, I've, got, I've got a deep love for the sport. I, I feel like, yeah, football has its flaws. The NFL absolutely has, has its flaws. But at, at its core, there's something special about the game and how it's like I said, it's it's not for everybody. George Kittle put it perfectly. He's like, you, you go out there at training camp and you get into a fight. You know, fists are flying. You want to beat the hell out of you know, your teammates. You go into the locker room. You slip into the cold tub and you're talking about each other's families. It's, it's, it's not normal, right? It's, right. This it's just you have. These are the modern day gladiators because it's not for everybody. So you know, I've always wanted to write a book concerning pro football. So that kind of got the wheels turning. And then you think, okay, what is the one position, the one player that kind of embodies everything we love about the sport? And to me, it's the tight end. You've got to block. You've got to run up the seam and, and catch a clutch uh, touchdown on third and eight with 70,000 screaming fans, right? It's, it's the grit. It's the grime. It's the glory. It's all of that kind of wrapped in the one. And you've got some wild personalities. So I thought it'd be fun to just, you know, go down to Mike Dick's golf course. Uh, you know, talk to him while he's having a stogie. Go go to Miami Beach, throw drinks back with Jeremy Shockey, Jackie Smith in St. Louis, unbelievable. Gronk, Tony Gonzalez. I didn't know what to expect from Tony Gonzalez. He was very polished on television. Sure, yeah, yeah. He was the most unfiltered tight end of them all. Really? He didn't give a shit. Oh man, his stories. Wow. I think you're gonna blow people's minds, especially when when it comes to a a certain former Buffalo Bills coach, Mike Malarkey. And they nearly threw down the hell in the locker right room. Oh, man, he wanted to beat the hell out of Mike Malarkey. And, and I talked to Mike Malarkey, too. He, he had so many words, he felt the same. They, uh, I mean, <laughs> not to go down that road, but like Malarkey was an old-school tight end. Mm -hmm. He believed the tight end should be exactly that, tight in the line, blocking. And they Atlanta trades for Tony Gonzalez. Malarkey's thinking, why in the hell did you give me Tony Gonzalez? Tony Gonzalez, after his first meeting with Mike Malarkey, you know, watching clips of Mark Bruner beat people up in the trenches is thinking, why in the hell did you trade for me? They didn't even want each other, right? It was like a doomed, arranged marriage. So and it all kind of came to a head when Tony Gonzalez is stuck on reception 999 for his career, and Malarkey isn't calling plays for him in a meaningless game against Tampa Bay. So, oh, wow. yeah, they, uh, they, they, they clashed in the locker room. I'll just leave it there. There's more to the story. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they, it, I think that, that's where it started, Pat, and – a lot of it, too, is like everybody, I watch these games on Sunday. I feel like my grandfather now. I can still remember growing up in high school. L. Huey, I mean, he'd watch these games and he'd blast the refs. Oh, there's, these refs are driving. I feel like that now. I want yeah. to throw the remote to the TV. <laughs> I mean, you don't even know what you can do as a defensive player trying to sack the quarterback. On the back end, what can a corner do, a safety do? And... The, I mean, the tight end, it's kind of preserved there. And, and Rob Gronkowski made that point. Like, he he really felt like he fought for the good of the game with his style of play 
because a tight end you can still run people over. And we it's like a car crash. We can't take our eyes off it. We love it. Hey, if it was flag football, nobody watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know the NFL is kind of, you know, playing footsie with flag football right now. That's what the Pro Bowl is. Good luck taking blocking and tackling out of the sport. Um, I mean, they're trying to find a middle ground that doesn't exist, in my opinion. With all of it, it, you know it when you see it, like the old saying goes, right? You know what a referee in the passer is when you see it. Yet they're trying to kind of find this utopian middle ground, and, and, and the overcorrection's been insane. So definitely within the book, um, you kind of feel how I think about all that. Talk about how long did it take you from the inception of this book when you said, this is the book that I want to write? Okay, from when you made that decision, the process of putting everything together to the book being available right now, literally, for somebody to, to go online and to purchase, what was that process like? How long did the process take? And just take us inside a little bit the process of actually writing a book. You know, it's one thing, yeah. you're, you, you've been a reporter all your life, you've been a sports journal, you know, write beautiful, long-form stories, stuff like that. But writing a book, I would imagine, because I, I can only imagine because I've never tried. It's a whole different animal having to sit down and, and, and pen a book. And tell me about that process a little bit. It is, man. It, it, it's, it's an animal, a different animal. Yeah, um, yeah I, you know, I think it. I had an amazing publisher, 12 Publishing. Sean Desmond was awesome, an, an incredible literary agent. Daniel Greenberg was great. And I, I, you know, that relationship helped a lot. I approached it like I approached my current job. I've always approached covering sports. Like each chapter is its own long-form story. So each chapter features a tight end from Dallas Clark to Jimmy Graham to Rob Gronkowski, Jackie Smithers, 15 altogether. So that helped. I mean, that, that definitely allowed me to jump around a little bit and then weave a narrative together after the fact. I'd still suggest reading it, you know, from the front of the book to the back sure. to kind of track the evolution. But that helped. Uh, I signed the book contract, I want to say, July of last year. And so Serafino, our son, was born that same month. So we've got a newborn. We've got Ella and you know, our daughters, one going on two, going on three. It was it was chaos yeah. in the Dunn household. And I'm unbelievably fortunate to have an amazing wife who you know, Gina. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you knew her before awesome. we awesome. even met. Um, so she took out a lot at home. And you know what? That probably what eats up a lot of time in every – writer will tell you the same thing it's the transcribing of interviews mm -hmm. you know I, well first of all i should backtrack i traveled around the country i wanted to talk to these tight ends in person i didn't want to just do it solely off of research or zooms or phone calls right i wanted to be like in mike dick's element right in tony gonzalez element shocky all all of these guys make it as real as possible and they were unbelievably accommodating right i didn't know what to expect they were all about this project wanted to give me all the time i could ask or even kittle during the season is dropping everything to talk for a couple hours. So that, that helped. And then it's a matter of, okay, transcribe, whatever it turned out to be, ha half a million words. <laughs> it eats up a lot of time. So a lot of time, uh, I think I, you know, most for the most part, I'd wake up at like 3 a.m. and get that pot of coffee on and just start transcribing, start writing. And it just kind of was piece by piece. I would Time management's got to be, you know, really strict when you're doing something like this as, as a project because – you have your own business, you know, go long that you're, you're right on. and a book and a, and a wife and children. Like you said, <laughs> young children. It really is, man. That, that time management is everything. I also want to talk. And by the way, if you happen to be watching this on the video side right now, 
I got to get one of these sweet hoodies. Oh, I should have brought you one. What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, next time. One of one of my favorite things about you, you, you want to hear that, you know, you hear the term all the time, Ty, where people say, well, I better myself. You know, you hear it all the time. A lot of times it's true, too. Your case, like, quite literally, that's what you did. I mean, like, quite literally. For people, everybody pretty much knows. For people who don't, Ty's covered the Green Bay Packers. Ty's worked for the Buffalo News. You're a features writer for, like, four years at the Bleacher Report. And then you start a Substack. You know, which again, you literally bet it on yourself that your brand, your your style, your your own boss. This launched in late like 2020, I believe, right? Yeah, right, November 2020. Talk about you know you know give every single little detail that went into it. But what what was the straw for you? That what what made you say that this is what I want to do, and I think that I could do it well and be, and be successful, and and you know build a nice base of subscribers. People are going to want to read my work. I mean. Breaking news, sports media, print media, not in a good place. No. Right? Websites, newspapers. Right. Um, acro across the board are trying to figure out how to get people to pay for content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw it firsthand at Bleach Report. I didn't really want to say a bad word. They gave me a great opportunity at, at Bleach Report. Enjoyed it. Was able to kind of travel the country and, and yeah. build up a Rolodex, do a lot of big features. That the Green Bay story, obviously, in 2019 did really well. And I... I, I kind of figured out who I wanted to be in this business, and that's long form feature stories exclusively. Mm -hmm. As much as you know, the beat was fun, podcasting was fun. I, I just reached a point where, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing, cover cover the NFL the way I believe it should be covered through that long form humanizing lens. Yeah, you know, go go beyond the press conference, the poll tested, sanitized bullshit that is you know pre planned in advance. I, I just that, that's not how the NFL should be covered. There's a real NFL behind the scenes that fans deserve to know more about. Mm -hmm. Everybody here at Imperial and Western New York beyond, it's, hey, they're, they're the ones filling that stadium. They're the ones forking over their hard-earned money to support all of these NFL teams. They deserve more than just dribble, you know, insipid you know, cliches. So I just figured, all right, I'm going to start go long. You know what it is going in, right? The yeah. stories will be long. At yeah. GoLongTD.com, and let's sit down with these players over wings. Let's, that's what me and Jamar Hamlin did. It, we got wings at Elmo's. Let's let's really get to know the players, you know, beyond the locker room, beyond the press conference. And I, I think that's really the formula. It's, it's a lot of profiles on on players, coaches, what have you, but also the inner workings of teams, the deep dives, and and kind of like digging in those corners. And I, I think that people here in Buffalo have been unbelievable. Right, I, I don't exist without the support locally. Sure, Bills fans who remember me from the Buffalo News days, Packer fans who remember me from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel days. So definitely skew with those teams, but it's an NFL site. I mean, I was at the Super Bowl in Phoenix for uh, for Philly and KC. I was at the Combine. Definitely tr think that they're still a niche for long form writing uh, throughout the whole league. But yeah, I, I I guess to answer your question, I'd rather sink or swim, doing the job the way I want to do it, as opposed to constantly needing to redefine the job and myself for somebody else this might be a, a question that only interests me like these type of things but writing coming up with the name go long long form writing you know that part at what point did you come up with that like did you <laughs> yeah. think of that did you come up with that did it come out of nowhere were you spending a lot of time trying to think of potential names for your sub stack is your name's going to be associated with it or did that pop quick and easy for you yeah i mean there's there's a lot of really successful sub stacks out there and 
writers will just use their name. Like I, I could not do that. I, I don't know. Anyway, it would be a little strange for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, I was driving on 219, going north. I don't even know where I was going, and it just kind of hit me out of nowhere. <laughs> like throwing the football with my dad in the backyard. You know, some of my best memories are, are just that, right? Playing play catch with your dad, and that's something you always did, right? Go long. Go long. And it kind of hit me, all right. Was it nerve-wracking in, in, in this term? People who know you, know your work, and followed you for your career, it's no secret. If you wanted to, you could have went and found another outlet to, to employ you. You you could you were you're an employable sports journalist, is what I'm getting at here. And you start your own. You know what I mean? But there's no guarantee. You have when you started Go Long, there's no guarantee that you would have one paid subscriber, let alone X amount of whoever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was that a little bit like what was that time like for you? Like maybe mentally a little bit, just a, a little nerve wracking. Like I really hope that you know, the work I've done through the years, the name I've made for myself, that people are going to buy into what, what I'm offering right now. What was that experience like? Was, was it tense at all at any point, early on at least? It, it was, for sure. I mean, you don't know. Right. right? I mean, I, I I think I covered the sport in a unique way that people can't get elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but you don't know. I mean, it's hard for people to bust out that credit card and punching a number we all live live that lifestyle like you know we, me and my wife just ripped through a great show on hbo max um the outsider really good show i enjoyed mm -hmm. it i'm like man, do, I, do i really want to keep this is there more on it of course there's more there's a million great shows on hbo so i ended up putting it back in but just that <laughs> act is i get it it's, it's hard for people to take that leap and trust something that they're investing their their money in but more importantly their time Everybody's so busy all the time. You know, you've got to be doing 10 things at once in 2023. I, I get all that. I'm asking people to sit down and read a story for, 15, for 15, 20 minutes. So I, I didn't know how people would react to that, but I knew it, it didn't need to take the world by a storm that this could be a niche. There, mm -hmm. there, there are people out there who want to learn and are curious and they'll, they'll, they'll carve out a little bit of their day to, to read. Uh, so I, I just kind of trusted that and it, it worked out. I think what helped me, Pat, was. I couldn't launch Go Long until November 2020 contractually. With so Bleacher Report kind of got everybody mm -hmm. in one fell swoop, and um, we did all. A lot of people had to wait until a certain date before you could do anything non-compete wise. So that gave me time to plan, <laughs> right, and, and figure out what I'm going to do, and really put a plan of attack together. Um, get some story ideas ready to roll. I think the the two-parter I had on Josh Allen really helped. I don't think many fans knew that. This was a team with an owner who yeah. loved Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. before anybody else did. And then I did a big takeout on Mike Zimmer, uh, a story on the Green Bay Packers. So kind of coming out of the gates, guns ablaze and definitely helped as well. We talked about it we, over some wings here, which again, the wings are really good. But one of the one of the things we were discussing at dinner tonight was um, your story about 13 seconds. And Joe from Queens, I, mean, I call him Joe from Queens, at Buffalo <laughs> Wins on Twitter, well, I did tell you, if you, if you want to know the best compliment that anyone can give Tyler Dunn right now is that Joe likes him. Because Joe don't like anybody in the sports media. No offense to everyone. I love a lot I of like you, Joe. I, I like you. He's he's a go-long OG. He is a go-long Who came OG. up with the idea for the Zoom happy hours. I have to give credit where yeah. credit's due. That is all Joe. Good we, dude. We literally dedicated an entire episode of this podcast talking about your story. Because at the time, nobody... And it was frustrating. I mean, Joe, I think Joe's a little, you know, he exaggerates and gets a little 
fired up at the media. I'm not like that, man. I love love most of these guys and women who cover sports around here. But anyway, he had a good point because nobody was talking about this at the time. Like, where are some answers to what happened? Was, people had opportunities, and I was the one person who dug in and and put a feature story out. That was, I. I don't know. I think that was, if there wasn't already a turning point before, I think that was one of your turning points for sure. But a lot of people really respected it and, and enjoyed that story. Even if it's not what they wanted to read because it wasn't rosy and cheery. You know what I mean? But fans wanted to know what the hell happened. Yes. They deserved to know what the hell happened. Yeah. I mean, you're talking multiple generations of tortured Bills fans here. From, I mean, you could go before the Super Bowl losses, right? But the Super Bowl losses, Music City Miracle, the drought, all this. And you've got a team and a quarterback that was Super Bowl caliber. Yeah. Josh Allen was on an all-time heater. He was not going to be stopped. This offense was not going to be stopped. I, I lo- loved what they got going in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, it's a fun freaking team. And I went down there a bunch this past season. I don't see them going to Orchard Park and winning in an AFC Championship game. I, it would have been – I guess my point being, Pat, like the fans deserve more than the word execution. I just thought that was yeah. a weak, unbelievably weak explanation for what happened in an all-time meltdown of a loss for the Buffalo Bills because you, know, you cover this game long enough, you know what that's code for. A lot of coaches they heard this in Green Bay all the time talking to – Mike McCarthy, Tom Capers, Tom. when they use the word execution, it's, you know, what, what was called, what was right. On the field, it wasn't executed. That's on the players. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm thinking, all right, is he just kind of being like that with us in the media, with fans? Of course, internally, players and coaches know what happened. Sure. They deserve it. And they didn't know. They didn't have a clue. And you're not going to watch film of a playoff loss, right? You're cleaning out your locker room. You're getting out of there the next day. But, but still, there were guys in the team that were upset that they didn't really get closure, and they wanted to talk about it. So we talked to him about it and just tried to piece together what happened. I think there's still a lot of confusion as to what happened, but, yeah, they, they on that kickoff coverage, and I want people to you know subscribe and read the story. I don't want to give too much away, right? But they, they believed it was a squib. Um, right. It was not, obviously. And then the defensive coverage, I think the DBs were lined up in what, about five zip codes away. <laughs> one of the one of the things that I love that you do with Go Long that I respect a lot is you reinvest in your work. Here's what I mean: you have X amount of paid subscribers. If I did the same thing and I'm on X amount of paid subscribers, I'd be counting my money. I'd be going to the bank. I'd be Diamond Joe when I walked in Imperial Pizza buying beers for everybody. Tyler is constantly going on the road finding stories to do, traveling, your own, obviously, you know, your expense, you're reinvesting in what you're making. And so I respect that a lot. Just uh, sit at home and write all your stories from home and make a couple phone calls. I mean, you're on the road and you're traveling and you're doing a lot. Again, I mean, I, I'm i fortunate with Gina's able to stay home with the kids. That, yeah. that, that allows me to do it. Sure. Sure. She's unbelievable. Uh, but I really do believe you've got to be there if you care. You're going to learn uh, so much more about a player's life at dinner, sharing food. People are happy when they eat food. <laughs> they get a couple of drinks in them, right? They're going to open up. Um, it, it's, it's just, uh, I feel like that it's, you're going to make a totally different story if you're actually in person with a player than you would on, on a phone call, on a Zoom. It's just, it's, it's night and day. 
and it's absolutely worth, as you put, reinvesting in the company. I, I really thought it was important um, to be at the Super Bowl, regardless of who was in it. Yeah. You know, let, let, let's cover this big event. We're going to be there to cover it day in and day out. Same with the Combine. And but but yeah, mainly with these long form stories, and there's a lot of ways you can do these type of stories, right? I try not to solely depend on teams for access. I mean, agencies. I've, I've known enough players myself. I can reach out directly. So it kind of is. You have a kind of a legendary Rolodex, by the way. That's well uh, known in in local sports media circles. <laughs> I've heard that an awful lot, by the way. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I feel like an old man at this point. So I. <laughs> I, I better have a I better have a big Rolodex. In all seriousness, I, I feel like what you what you're doing now, what you started, what you did, is you're, I think you're a little bit ahead of the curve right now. When it comes, I I think in the next two to three to five years, I think you're going to start to see more and more people who have made a nice name for themselves. Maybe there were whether it's somebody from the Buffalo News or somebody from uh, Sports Illustrated or you know tons of outlets like that. I they're going to say. You know what? I'm gonna do my own thing, man. I wanna have my own Substack, and I know some people are doing it now. You know, varying levels of success. But I think in the coming years, I think you're gonna to start to see less and less talented, well-known people working at Sports Illustrated, and the Bleacher Report, and all these places. And I think you're gonna to start to see more of what you're doing now. I appreciate that. I think it's the I think it's the future. I'm obviously biased, but I, I love nice. Substack. It's totally. a great platform. You know, it's it's so user-friendly, oh. which is what writers want Te technologically. What you have going on here with your podcast, I'll just say it, it, bl it blows us away, right? We've got one mic and some headphones, and we're throwing back a few beers at Fatty. At I love it, though. We talked uh, about this. I love your <laughs> podcast in part for that. I mean, I love the concept, but yeah. I actually love that concept. It feels like two dudes over some beers with – Sometimes, I'm sorry, somewhat shitty equipment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it feels like an authentic podcast. Podcasting yeah. has become being like in a TV studio in some cases. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you might as well just have your own TV show. It's totally. So. But yeah, I mean, in, to answer your question, I think that's the future. I think that it's, um, I, I want all of these newspapers to succeed. I want all these sites to succeed. I, I want sure. there to be this insatiable desire from a general populace to learn more about their favorite teams and players and, and pay for it. Uh, but, you know, Twitter has made us a dumber species in general. Social media has. <laughs> Don't get me going on Twitter. No. But it's just everybody wants stuff free. And I'm kind of relying on the other end of the spectrum. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess all that fast food is important. We're going to fatten up on the double quarter pound of cheese and we're refreshing Twitter all day and we, we want the updates in real time, but I, I want to go that 24 ounce steak end of the spectrum and like, no, it's, we're going to get, we're going to give you quality. Sure. You're going to have to pay a little bit for it, but we're going to, we're going to go there. We're going to talk to these people and we're going to spend days and weeks working on something. Then I've been unbelievably fortunate. There's enough people out there that it supports our family. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a real quick break. More with Tyler Dunn from Go Long right after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back here at Imperial Pizza. By the way, I, I got to throw this out there. I, I think I forgot this last week. We were talking about this at dinner. Their prices are their prices. Uh, you're going to pay for good food, good service, good atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? They're not the most expensive place, but they're not the cheapest either. However, I'm telling you, bro, their lunch specials right here, 11 to 4, five wings and a beef on whack or hamburger and a pint of beer, 12 bucks. Or you get a half sub with five wings and a pint of beer for 12 bucks. Imperial Pizza as the best lunch special I had to look at it for myself. I thought you were anyone on BS me. That's <laughs> no, the deal. It's great, man. I really do. I really love this place. And thank you again, Imperial, for, for sponsoring this show and for Tyler for being here tonight. You, all right, so we're talking about the writing stuff. Obviously, audio stuff interests me greatly as well. <laughs> you have done now two seasons with, with your podcast, but uh, branching off from that, the Isaiah McKenzie show, part of your, your brand. You've done that for two seasons now. I watch it all the time on YouTube. And a couple of months ago, I did actually go to Mister's, and I caught you and I, Isaiah doing a show. Talk to me a little bit about Isaiah. Again, you've been doing it for two seasons now. I think he's a he's an interesting character, and I mean that in a complimentary way. I like I like him as a person. He he entertains me. It feels like on your show, he's pretty candid. You know how it is with athletes. Sometimes it might take a little bit for them to get loose and you know give more informative answers but he gets there and when he does, he does yeah when he yeah, does he gets them really it. and he's pretty candid pretty blunt and um on a funny side and also sometimes on a serious side you had an episode when you guys were discussing what happened with tomorrow i mean he was very you know candid about that I was like, oh you know he's talking about you know dilemma about playing again and stuff like that so really interesting show but talk about isaiah just like what it's been like these last two seasons being with him on the show no doubt i mean in the same vein just wanting to give fans something different something mm -hmm. real and so fortunate that mr stepped up i mean they 
they journalistically, right? I mean, I, I'm not paying Isaiah a dime. I just want to be the host, sure. put it on the site, give fans a side of the game that they can't get anywhere else. And Misters is, is willing to be that host for us, which is great. I mean, they, sure. they were so good to work with these past two seasons. I guess Isaiah, why, I hear that a lot. Why, why Isaiah? How did that start? I'll get it started. I'm going to ask you. It's not the first person to ask you, but I'll ask it. So I, I got to know him for a, a feature that first year starting go along ahead of the AFC Championship game against Kansas City, I believe. And I, I found his life story to be just, just wild. And, and where he comes from, I mean, he, he'd see dead bodies on his doorstep. He later on the show told the story of a bullet, like literally grazing his skin. I mean, a centimeter the other direction. Mm-hmm. And we never know who Isaiah is. Sure. I mean, that's compelling in itself, but his personality, I you just put it great. Like he's can seem quiet at first yeah. and, you know, short winded at first, but once he gets rolling, right. Once he gets opened up, he's legendary. Yeah. I and mean, he came on one of my first happy hours for the, for the subscribers and told this crazy story of when he was, he might've been 10, 11 years old, the prank he pulled on his grandmother where he pretended to be dead, like in, in the bathtub, like covered himself in fake blood, and he waited for the cops to come, and every, the house is just full of people. Waited for everybody to be right there, and then just stepped up and said, "Hey guys, <laughs> that's that's diabolical." I mean, it still it still cracks me up. Um, so I don't know. Like that off season, I was trying to think of a player, a personality, somebody that would just want to take fans along the ups and downs of a season, right? So, some something real, start to finish, and what it's like to play in the NFL. And there's been ups and downs with Isaiah, and he he relives it all authentically he in does. that setting. And I think this past season especially, he was way more open than he was even the first season. And he was great the first season talking about, uh, you know, why I didn't go to Notre Dame. Because sex. Sex. He was told he can't have sex. Yeah, I remember that. Decommitted I watched day. almost yeah. – I've, I've seen almost every episode. He also <laughs> had a really funny story this past season about – the courtship of his, of his girlfriend. Oh my god! <laughs> Which congratulations! Yeah, they're oh, engaged. Yes. Oh, they, I did not know it's that. It's official. That is awesome. He man. is in love. I mean, he is deep in love, and she is a doll, unbelievable person. She's at all the shows as well. Uh, but that—that's definitely people. I mean, we it'd probably take us an hour to tell that story. Oh, it's yeah. worth digging through the yeah, archives. Go through for the archives yeah. and find that episode. That might have been the same episode as the Demar Hamlin one. I think it might have been. Why they all blur together? You probably know better than me. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not positive, but I think so. But anyway, yeah, with him, you could t- clearly tell the first couple minutes, a little bit short went in, and then he gets into the show, and then by the end, because you always give the audience opportunity to ask questions, which I think is really, really cool. And he's the one who's like, all right, I got more. Come yeah. on, man, I got more time. I got more time. Exactly. He's the he one. Usually the, ath- usually, the athlete's the one who's like, all right, I'm on a real tight schedule. I got to get out of here. But he's the one who's kind of imploring people. Got to ask you, and this is kind of going to be a little bit of a segue into some Bills talk. Do you think there's – obviously you're hopeful that there's going to be a season three of the Isaiah McKenzie show. Are you – you get a sense that there's going to be a season three of the Isaiah McKenzie show, and by that I mean do you anticipate Isaiah McKenzie being back this year at Buffalo? He is under contract. We'll, we'll put that out there. And it's not like some enormous cap either. So, Right. He doesn't make nearly as much money as he could have made for another team. Sure, he he absolutely. chose to stay in yep, Buffalo he did. for less money. I mean, and he signed early too. Exactly. I, I think right they have an out, I believe in his contract. If they want to get out of it, why, why, why would you though? I, it's obviously they, they, they've got to draft a wide receiver. I think, yeah. Breaking news. The Buffalo bills need a wide receiver. 
when they haven't taken one in the first three rounds ever with this coach and GM. So how does that affect Isaiah McKenzie if you bring in one, two, three receivers? I think he still has a role. I mean, he, he can be a nifty, useful utility knife for you in your offense. And in terms of being the slot guy, you know, it just didn't work out. Like, like he had hoped. I mean, training camp, he's lighting it up. He's a star yeah. of training camp. And sorry, I'm packing a lot here. I'll fight through it, baby. All We're right. good. Ah. All right, Jordan, Utah, <laughs> let's do this. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. He, I, I feel like it's, he probably caught a lot more. Obviously, I do the show with him. So maybe I'm, be, maybe I'm being a big softy here, Pat. I, yeah, he had a few drops, but Isaiah was pretty honest. He said he was open a lot. He was. And when you look at that all 22 and you zoom out, and maybe it was because he had a drop or two. Josh just wasn't throwing him the ball. I think that the offense under Ken Dorsey was different than Brian Dable, where it seemed very boomer bust, right? It's either big plays or nothing, as opposed to a rhythmic timing based one play setting up another with Dayball. I mean, there was a flow to that offense. This, this offense really didn't have that flow. That that affects the slot receiver in it because that slot receiver is basically a running game. I mean, sure. you're trying to get six, seven yard chunks down mm-hmm. the field, and they didn't have that. So maybe it was scheme. But he's, he's so beloved in the locker room. He's such a leader. Guys love him. I mean, that, that stuff matters, too, for a team that is trying to win the Super Bowl. I, I think he'll be around. Yeah, I, I think he'll see a season three. I hope so, man. I like him. Yeah. I like him on the field, and I like him off the field, man. And I do have a soft place for people that I like, quite frankly. Do you feel like there's a lot of pressure right now on Brandon Bean to keep up with the, with the Mahomeses and, and the Burrows of the league? As we take this light, late Thursday night live, um, nothing has broken any Bills news. We've heard reports. Adam Schefter put it out there that it's expected that Jermaine Edmonds and Jordan Boyer are both going to leave. I don't think that's uh, what would be a surprise. But do you feel like if let's just assume that that does happen? Do you feel like there's pressure on Brandon Bean to figure out ways to you know you might not spend 15, 17 million dollars on one player like you would if you do resign Jermaine Edmonds, but. He's got to figure out. He's got to figure out some ways to keep up with the Joneses because we saw an offense against Cincinnati just flat out. I know there's some variables and excuses, but they put up ten points. You know, they got to do something about. They got to start drafting better. Yeah. Right. I, I imagine being regrets what he said about Jamar Chase and how that kind of took on a life of its own. Like you know, I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase. It's like yeah. look at the Chiefs' 2022 draft. You had contributions from the first round all the way down to Pacheco in the seventh round. I mean. Right. DBs picking off passes, making Joe Burrow's life hell. A, a running back who runs like his life depends on it. Sky Moore made plays. And a receiver. I don't know. They, they, they've got it. I mean, everybody knows this, but once you pay the quarterback, it's harder to just hand out blank checks like the Bills were able to do for a while, which means the guys that you draft, even if they're in the fourth, even the fifth round, they have to become starters early in their careers. And they're, they're just not getting that. I, I think Mahomes and Burrow combined for, gosh, I want to say like 120-something dropbacks the last three playoffs, and the Bills have like four sacks, five sacks. Yeah, yeah. And that's with premium draft capital. So the Von Miller injury obviously hurt. He was playing incredible. He was wor- worth the contract when he was healthy. But even outside of that, the players that you've drafted just – Gregory social promise, you know, maybe maybe he does take a big step. They're going to need it. Uh, but Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Ed Oliver. I mean, I'll even put a linebacker Tremaine Edmonds in there. I, I, 
I know he's a polarizing figure. We'll probably do a whole show on him, but we when, have- when, it, when it mattered against playoff teams, he's getting bowled over against Cincinnati. Ed Oliver is getting bowled over. These are these are hot picks. These are core players. So are we going to judge the Bills on regular season success? I, I feel like we're past that the division. If they've had 13 win seasons. That, that's great. But th- these Super Bowl windows, they come and go. You've got to you've got to demand more out of your team, and they're going to have to demand more, and it's going to be tough because they don't have the money to just go shopping this week. Do you feel like what do you think the vibe will be with Bills fans right now if they lose Evans, they lose Poyer, and they really don't do much in free agency? Do you feel like fans are going to be frustrated over the, the – uh, and I'm not saying necessarily that it's the wrong approach – to not do a lot in free agency. But if they lose two key players and they replace them with nine or dozen depth guys, you know, the Jameson Crowders of the world, what do you think the, the, the vibe is going to be right now with fans? Because I feel like there's a little bent up frustration and maybe hasn't fully come to the surface. But to your point now, regular season success shouldn't be the, the judging point anymore. I think fans will be frustrated because remember last year, 13 seconds just – you know, reaching into the chest and grabbing your heart out kind of loss. Yeah. It went that that pain kind of went away quickly when Von Miller signed. That that gave everybody a reason to get pretty sure. jacked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, they're not going to be able to to add a player that way this year. So, what will fans think? I don't know. I think the Bills fans are are pretty smart. I know Edmonds is. You know, there's some stands out there. They love him, and he's a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. But I think that the memory of the Cincinnati game, similar to the memory of the Chief losses and the Houston loss, you've got to like, – that game is so much more important than anything that happened in the regular season. I don't think it's the end of the world if you lose Tremaine Edmonds. I love Jordan Poyer. I think they should have found a way to get a deal done because you don't know life without him. It's not going to be the end of the world without a safety at at his age, but you've, you've got to have somebody ready to replace him. And they, they don't have – Demar Hamlin is a totally different story. You know, if he's going to even play football, right? Sure. You have to draft the safety, draft the linebacker. You're you're going to have to find a lot of players in the draft. I, you know what? They're going to have to get year one to year two jumps out of guys. Year two to year three jumps. James Cook is going to have to take on a bigger role. I think a player like that can get you excited if you're a Bills fan. You can expect a big jump out of somebody who did a little bit last season, and now they're going to be counted on to do a lot. If you're Brandon Bean, are you allocating resources that you do have? And there won't be no Vaughn Miller signings. And I believe, I take him for his word when it comes to that this year. But you lose Poyer Edmonds, whatever. If you're Brandon Bean, are you allocating more resources to, to the offense? Do you want to get better on offense, even if it comes at the expense of, you know, maybe you're you're not as good on defense because you replace Edmonds and Poyer with lesser than players. But then you got to also look, Ty, that, Let's not forget who the head coach is. And is he going to be that kind of coach that's going to say, all right, man, I'm going to take some lumps on defense, but my offense is going to score a lot more points. I don't know if that fits here. Well, I think the Buffalo Bills' success is going to come down to a philosophical change. Go back to that Cincinnati game, end of the first half, fourth and whatever, fourth and 10, fourth and 11, but you're in Cincinnati territory. You know your defense cannot stop anybody. Joe Burrow is completing passes to seven different receivers before the first quarter is even over. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon in that running game just embarrassing you up front. You're not going to stop anybody. And you punt. You try to pin them and just get out of the half alive. That was an opportunity to try to redictate the terms 
of the game. Make this a shootout. Like, go for it. it, it yeah, you, oh, you might not get it. Well, you might get it. Yeah. You've got Josh freaking Allen. Like, think positively. Score. Get the ball to start the second half. Score again. Make Cincinnati chase you. And it was the same thing, you know, the last play of the third quarter, so basically the fourth quarter when it's fourth and two. And you punt. You really think you're going to get two stops in the fourth quarter? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I think it was a failure to have a sense of the moment, the game, and your own identity as a team. And I, he's a defensive coach, and this is what you saw out of the Marvin Lewis's, the Marty Schottenheimers. These are really good coaches. John Fox, these are guys that won a lot, have won a lot of games. But you've got a window with a top five, maybe a top three quarterback. You need to think offense in every possible way, whether it's in the moment in the game or right now in the offseason and how you build your roster. And they've been thinking defense for five years. They've been drafting defensive players nonstop. That tells you Sean McDermott's fingerprints are all over these decisions, right? I mean, remember, he brought Brandon Bean in. Um, but I, I do think that everybody has to come to an agreement that now, what, what more proof do you need? Add a weapon. I can't even get mad at Gabe Davis for the third and two before that fourth and two, the deep ball where he has a tomahawk out of his hands. Okay. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick. What, 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 what more can you ask out of a fourth-round pick than what he did this season? Um, it, it's on management. It's on coaching. They got to look in the mirror and realize their best chance to win the Super Bowl is by outscoring the other team, not by playing you know, coffin corner field position ball. One of the things when it comes to Jordan Poyer, I mean, he said it on his own podcast, so it's not like rumor and speculation. He said it with his own mouth. Taxes in New York. All the taxes that, you know, I'm awful. Taking, awful. Taking I'm with half, you, Jordan. Half my money. Do you get a sense from, you know, you know a lot of players, obviously. Like I said, Jordan's talking about on his podcast. Obviously, his wife, Rachel, is heavily accentuating that on Twitter, and which is becoming Twitter could be an ugly place. We both know that. But anyway, my, my question for you is, do you get a sense that with players, that is like a really big deal? Like if all things are equal and Jordan can get X amount from Buffalo and X amount from Miami, but Miami's not going to take, you know, he's not going to in Florida, not going to lose those taxes. Do players make decisions? Do you think they do make decisions ultimately based on that? Because if so, I mean, that hurts teams like Buffalo. They do. They yeah. absolutely do. I mean, you, you couple that with the fact that it's, well, I mean, I think in the forecast, at least down to the southern tier, my dad just told me four to eight inches of snow tomorrow. I mean, it's March, for the love of God. I hate it. Oh, my God. It's it's everything. Uh, but, yeah, the taxes, give you a name, Chase Edmonds. I did a story on him at, at Go Long ahead of the season. Didn't did not work out for him in Miami. He's trying to pick things up in Denver now. But he thought he was going to be a Buffalo Bill. And when we sat down and talked about it, he said, yeah, I loved everything about the team, Josh Allen, the offense, my role. Because then I took a look at the taxes in New York State versus the taxes in Florida. And I'm not going to lie, I chose the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that, that was like the number one wow. reason why. Wow. The taxes. Um, I mean, granted, he loved, at the time, the offense, Mike McDaniel, and you know how they kind of used their backs. That, that, that stuff mattered as well. But in the moment, yeah, the, I, I think it is. And it's one of those things you can only figure out anecdotally, and it's something that a lot of these players aren't going to brought up. Can you get Kathy Hopel on the phone and talk about his taxes? I mean, he said it tongue-in-cheek, but he's probably drives him nuts a little bit too. Sure. You know, I, I look at a player like Jordan Boyer for what it's worth, and I, I'm a big Jordan Boyer fan. I always have been. Six really good years in Buffalo. Kind of an outcast in Cleveland. And now he's at a point where he's – if he were to re-sign with Buffalo, and let's just say – I don't think he's going to, but if he did, 
and he has two more great years in Buffalo. And because if he stays healthy, he's, he's still a really good player. He's probably going up someday on that Wall of Fame 15 years from now. You know, eight great years in Buffalo, tons of stats, leader, great player. You go to Miami or Dallas, you're just another good player on a team your last one or two years. But you're getting paid. I understand it. It's easy for me to say that because I'm not losing a couple million bucks a year. You know what I'm saying? By going to Buffalo instead of Dallas or Miami. But I, I kind of wish players, especially if they're rich players, because, I'm look, I'm going to be honest. Like I said, between what Jordan said on the podcast and what Rachel was, was fighting with some Bills, not even Bills fans, just fans about with New York State and Texas, it's a bad look when rich people are complaining about it. I mean, I'm not saying don't make your decisions based on it, but when you're outwardly – Mm-hmm. going at people who are poor and can barely scrape up enough money to go get season tickets to watch you guys play football. It feels like it's kind of a bad luck to be outwardly bitching about taxes. Like I, I just, I wish that players like Jordan or just other players on other teams would kind of factor in legacy. If it's even close to equal. I mean, if you're talking $5 million difference, it's one thing. But if it's close, would you feel like if you, if it was you, would right, you care about that legacy? It's easy for us to say. Sure. But the legacy matters. You're right. You know, I, I saw it often in Green Bay where, you know, Greg Jennings, he went to the Minnesota Vikings. All he did was answer our questions to the media. I called him up, asked him about Aaron Rodgers. He answered honestly. And he's, for a while, he was, you know, he got into the Packers Hall of Fame. But he was kind of a pariah. I mean, fans would attack this guy who literally was a Super Bowl hero, yeah. had the play of the game in the Super Bowl. And here you have Aaron Rodgers calling him, quote-unquote, irrelevant. I mean, just in, insane for just being honest and sharing his his own stories. But, yeah, things can take a turn, especially when you go to a team in the division, a hated rival. The Bills and Dolphins are going to be competing for the division title this year. We'll see what happens with Tua. But, they're, you know, th- th- these things can t- – I'm not saying that he has gone that road by being honest and talking about taxes and Buffalo right. and the weather, but – I don't think he liked it here for outside of football stuff. I think he loved the football stuff, but all all the other stuff, yeah, he's made it very clear he did not like yeah, it I here. And, that, and, that, and that's a family decision maybe, to not like it here too. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like the legacy, like this does maybe it doesn't matter to him. Right? Maybe it doesn't. I I go back. And I'm forth not gonna on hate on it for it. I'm I'm just saying how I would be. But I'm not. Gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna hate on a guy who's oh it's easy again. I'm gonna give up three million dollars just so I can have that great old legacy. Hell no, I, I get it. I'm just saying. There is oh, something I, cool about it, though. Like, like a guy who plays for one team for so long and comes back as a conquering hero. Like, you, you see those guys in yeah. markets. I wonder how close they really are. That's what I don't know. It seems like the Bills haven't made much of an effort at all to retain it. You've been covering the NFL for a long time. You've been doing it on a professional level. I'm a podcaster. For the most part, this is a hobbyist thing that I do. Um. I'm not a fanboy on the pod, especially on the podcast. Like, I will be the first to rip the Bills. But I am a Bills fan, and I don't try to hide that I'm a Bills fan. I'm not going to lie. I see some – I don't care about Jermaine Evans, by the way. If he goes somewhere else, let him. I agree with everything you said about him. Jordan going to Miami would bother me. <laughs> on a personal level, as a fan, as a fan, a little bit. It would bother me a little bit. Like, if he makes a big play, like, especially if it's in Miami and the fans are going nuts, because he makes a big hit and jars the ball loose from – James Cook, I'm like, yeah, and they keep pointing the game. I'm going to get pissed off. As a fan, <laughs> just saying. By the way, I forgot to ask you got this. Vic Fangio huh? dialing it up now. Vic Fangio, yeah, yeah. one of the best team coordinators. Were you surprised? I forgot to ask you this. Were you surprised the way Leslie Frazier, from what you've heard, you know, 
being around the combine and stuff like that. I mean, the timing of it, a little bit surprised. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Um, timing is odd. It's, I mean, we're not going to sit here and, and call Brandon Bean a liar. I mean, he laid out the timeline, right? They, they were surprised. You know, a week ago, a week before the combat anyways, that Leslie Frazier, you know, he had taken that time off and said he wanted to step away. But then it gets weird when the announcement is, okay, he'll return to coaching 2024, but then Bean basically said, yeah, it's not going to be in Buffalo. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's – so was he I – mean, you see this all of the time after bad playoff losses. Somebody has made the scapegoat. Somebody falls on the sword. Usually it happens right after that game. It, it, it feels right. like he was gently nudged out the door, slash maybe Frazier wanted to go. Maybe he was a little tired of the same thing every year. It is You never see winning teams with a quarterback like Josh Allen see this much change on the coaching staff. Yeah, You really don't. I mean, Chad Hall going to Jacksonville, both sides of the ball. A, a lot of coaches just making lateral moves uh, before having the opportunity maybe – Take advantage of winning a lot of games with Josh Allen. I, it's it's strange. I I don't know what to make of it. Honestly, I did. It surprised me. Here's where it didn't surprise me though. Al Holcomb was hired as the senior defensive assistant early in the offseason. and Jim Onus got into this on our podcast. Right, remember Jim Monas, Doug Whaley. They they hired Sean McDermott mm-hmm. before they were like go after the draft. But Jim said how back then the choice of defensive coordinator was between Al Holcomb and Leslie Frazier. So six years later, oh, gotta wow. get the other guy. So I mean, and he's a Carolina guy. So McDermott, you know, he's had a, a liking to Al Holcomb for a while. I have to also ask about Stephon Diggs. By the way, this has been a pretty frustrating offseason as a fan too, because of stuff like the timing with the Frazier stuff. Um, Stephon Diggs, I, I get it to an extent. He might be just trolling on Twitter. He's known to do that. I get it, but. He seems genuinely not happy right now. And look, he's not getting traded. I mean, if you look at the anyone who knows the salary cap, it would cost the Bills like $37 million instantly to trade him tomorrow. So all the talk about him going to Dallas, playing with his brother, maybe down the road, ain't going to be in 2023. But do you get a sense or a knowledge? Is, is he just really still frustrated about the way last season ended? Or is he getting to a point? Because, I mean, let's face it, it did happen in Minnesota, you know, He's at least teasing it on social media, and some fans are buying into it more than others. But you get a sense that, like, Stefan Diggs is not happy right now? Yeah, it sure seems like it. Yeah, I think Isaiah McKenzie, and this is at the locker room cleanup day when he was meeting with the local uh, beat writers, mentioned a conversation that he had with Stefan Diggs and how this is just happening again and again and again. He wondered at the moment, was this just a case of the loss being fresh, the wounds being open? Um, we saw the frustration on the sideline, obviously, when he went up to Josh Allen with the arms out. But but now it's weeks later, months later, months you're, and, later. You're, and you're playing these games, unfollowing accounts on Instagram, right? Like you unfollowed yeah. the Bills. Followed. Usually I would laugh that off as being ridiculous and, and, and who gives a shit. But that's kind of how players try to throw their weight around. Kyler Murray did the same thing last offseason, early in the offseason. I, I, it's guys that don't contractually have any leverage, like you just laid out, it's, can't really do anything. You know, he's locked in. They do this stuff. They, they go on Twitter and Instagram and say cryptic things and follow and unfollow. And so I, But I, I would be guessing. I don't know if he's just messing around with everybody. 
or if he's literally demanding a trade, but it's, it's weird. It's not normal. It, I don't want to see it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't like seeing it. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been here for three years, and he has quite literally had the three most productive receiving seasons in the history of the franchise. His worst year is better than anyone else's best year, including Moles, including Andre Reid. So you don't like to see that kind of stuff. You're talking about Jordan Boyer with the taxes, and he's probably leaving. Evans is leaving. Diggs is unhappy. I don't know if you saw, but Ed Oliver had a tweet, and then he deleted the Buffalo News screenshot. Someone got a screenshot or something, did a story about it. Pretty much said, if I don't get paid, I'm walk walking, which, by the way, if he thinks he's going to get a monster contract, get yeah. to step in. I said that. You get to step yeah, in. Yeah, good luck with that, Ed. Yeah, because he's getting 10 point whatever million this year um, because he got the fifth-year option. He's got a lot to prove, by the way. To, uh, to get a long-term, big-money deal. But point is, is he's griping. It's like, are we watching, like, the new 2023 bickering bills? These are the little things that kind of add up for any team that that, that kind of signal the, the closing of a Super Bowl window. Think back to the Legion of Boom, Seattle Seahawks. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But you had so much of this stuff. Seth Wickersham wrote a great story out of uh, the loss to the Patriots, the Malcolm Butler play, and just how that really kind of tore that team apart at the seams within. I'm not saying that's the case in Buffalo, but you saw a lot of the similar things on the outside. Guys being unhappy, saying something, then deleting a the tweet or backtracking, but right. you know, believing the first time. And you, know, you, you had an iconic moment there at the one-yard line when they should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. You kind of had that stuff in Buffalo with 13 seconds. Sure. And yeah. it, it – feels out of the Cincinnati game like they're further away from a Super Bowl than they were the year before because of the state of the roster, the financial ramifications. I'll just say this. Their their best chance, their best hope is lean into what you do have, and that's Josh Allen. Quit punting. Quit the chip shot field goals. Quit drafting defensive ends with all your first-round picks. Like Add weapons. Go for it. Lean in to the – that's why they'll always be a Super Bowl contender if he's in his prime. How long is he going to be in his prime? Right? right. That 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 not to switch gears, but that's a concern as well. Is okay, he's he's Cam Newton. Well, Cam Newton was in year five or year six when he had his unbelievable MVP season in 2015. And then the injuries added up and he just disappeared. So that would get you a little bit worried about the Super Bowl window too couple of things. We're going to wrap up here live at Imperial Pizza with Tyler Dunn from Go Long. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Now, a lot of times, anytime a player becomes either released or you start to hear trade rumors swirling, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan or even if you're covering the Bills, you start to kind of connect a little bit of dots. I got to ask you this because uh, the guy who runs Imperial Pizza, his name's Dave. Great guy, by the way. He uh big Derrick Henry guy. Uh, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Can you see a scenario – where Brandon Bean would pull that trigger, and if so, what kind of fit would that be? Because it's odd. I mean, he's a powerful running back, and so on one hand, I'm like, this kind of not, doesn't fit this style of offense. On the other hand, you're going to play a nickel defense and have Derrick Henry in the backfield all day? Go ahead. You know, we're going to run for a buck 80 on you each week. And it kind of would fit a little bit of that conservative Sean McDermott nature. I don't know. Do you think there's any teeth of that, or is that like – I kind of love it now that I think about it because yeah. in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, I mean, they're loading the box to stop Derrick Henry. Yeah. And he's still averaging over five yards of carry and running people over. Now he's got a lot, a lot of miles on the odometer. He's getting up there. You you have yeah. to think. He's an old 29, I mean, it feels like. 
God, I mean, he still looks really damn good. I, if it's one year, I don't know what the contract. Yeah, he's got one year left on his deal. How much would it cost? Eleven, about eleven million. I would absolutely do that. Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, that it's something different. It's something you have to account for. If it's for one year, he's got one good year left. He's never faced soft defensive fronts. Um, I've always been a big Derrick Henry fan. I, I mean, I think he's unlike any running back in the game this generation. Just got like an extraterrestrial out there. Why not? Right. I, I think that's what it's going to take, though. It's going to take, you know, one, one or two one-year deals. Bills, right. Bills have been linked to some well-known running backs over the last few years, and and rumored at least trade interest with Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Paul Barkley, Alvin Kamara last year. So. I feel like it might make short-term sense. Short, that's what I'm saying. Like short, like a Juju Smith-Schuster to Kansas City last year sure. where they got him unbelievably cheap. Yeah. And, boy, the, the bang for the buck that they got out of that that signing was, was huge. It, it's going to be something like that. The right player at the right position with the right personality that with, with the incentive to ball out and have a career year because they want to get paid the next year. Galvin Cook, by the way, is reportedly – looking to get traded to his brother boys in Buffalo. That would definitely be uh, interesting. Two more quick things here. Lamar Jackson, what, what do you see going on with that? What's playing out? It's pretty obvious. Owners do not want to pay him that Deshaun Watson guarantee money or call collusion or not collusion, whatever. But it seems like he's going to have a really hard time getting the contract that he wants. Where do you see him ultimately playing next year? And it's – I use the word collusion lightly, but it sure seems like it. And J.J. Watt, Richard Sherman, a lot of players came out and said, this is, this is weird to see team accounts, team Twitter accounts, re, like retweeting reporters saying, we don't in, want not, anything to do with Lamar Jackson. Right. And because they don't, the NFL does not want anybody following Jimmy Haslam's lead in Cleveland. They don't want fully guaranteed contracts to quarterbacks, let alone $230 million guaranteed and if i'm lamar heck yeah i'd start there and want more than that when you're better than deshaun watson is right now it's i get it i, I mean he, he should have an agent negotiating for him so he doesn't have to hear the bad right. stuff about his game right i mean that an agent is such an important buffer for all of that i'm sure the relationship between lamar and baltimore has gone downhill because they're having the hard conversations directly with lamar jackson mm -hmm. But I guess where I stand, it's, it's insane to me that it got to this point. It's been two years of this. Give me five guaranteed years of Lamar Jackson, whatever it costs, even if it takes up a fifth of your salary cap. I think you've got a better shot at winning the Super Bowl in those five years than you do hitting reset, trying to start over at quarterback, even with two first-round picks that a team would give you. What are you going to do? Break in Tyler Huntley, draft somebody, sign Jacoby Brissett? Right. Like, Good luck. You, you you did the hard part. You you found him. You you kind of tripped into him because you took Hayden Hurst ahead of Lamar Jackson in that same draft. I, I don't know. I feel like they're overthinking this one, and, and they're really going to regret it if he's not playing quarterback for Baltimore. But it looks like he's not really getting the money he wants out there from another team. Uh, what is the offer sheet that he is signed to by another team if it gets to that? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea where this is going to go. I guess if I was going to throw a prediction out, I know Washington came out and said they weren't interested. One renegade owner, one rogue owner, Dan Snyder would fit that bill because Dan Snyder wants the commanders to look nice and pretty to a prospective sure, to owner and just try to sell them for $7 billion. Well, if you trade for Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden you're 
controversy-ridden franchise that can't get out of its own way is must-see TV. Last question here, man. You, I know that you know very well a certain quarterback who plays for the Packers who I personally hate very much. I do not like Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy at all. But understandable. That aside, he's going to the Jets, ain't he? Yes. Yeah. I don't know when people are listening to this or watching this, but yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go to the Jets at this point. It's uh, Green Bay's moving on. Hell, Bob said it at the site. Bob again. Three weeks. Three weeks ago, they they've they've moved on to Jordan Love. They're tired of Aaron Rodgers. Disgusted was the word he used that sent people into a tizzy. But it's true. They've moved on. Everything else is a matter of compensation, trade partner, semantics, right? Making Aaron feel like this is his decision because you're dealing with a, a different personality down those lines. And the Jets have a desperate owner in Woody Johnson. who You know, they whiffed on Sam Darnold. They whiffed on Zach Wilson. They want a veteran for that roster to win now. And they're flying, they're flying to see. I, I don't know how it doesn't happen at this point. Nathaniel Hackett, unbelievably close with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, way, way closer than he was with Matt LaFleur or anybody else in the building. So Hackett's going to give Rodgers carte blanche at the line of scrimmage to do what he wants. I, I think the Jets just need to know he's bought in. They blew off the offseason last year. He didn't want to work with the young players. Just didn't care, and, and it showed. Um, didn't see the field well. The receivers, they, they couldn't keep up with his audibles and signals, and then his legs weren't underneath him. He, he just couldn't escape the jams he used to. So if he's rejuvenated... And he wants to stick it to people like you and I, Pat, and prove he can still play quarterback at 39. It's it's worth it for the Jets, and obviously it's worth it for the Packers. They got to move on. Darkness retreat. Isn't that funny though? Like if you're going on a darkness retreat, fine, cool. I, I see the benefits. We're all addicted to screens to a sickening degree. But then just go on the darkness retreat. Just go like you don't need to announce it on national television. Return. And while you're only texting the Packers GM, Brian Gouda, because you didn't even talk to him, you sit down with Aubrey Marcus and, you know, bury your soul for over an hour about taking dumps in the dark before you even talk to the GM for the, like, fine, Darkness Street, great, but, like, it, it, well, he, he couldn't wait to tell us all about it. Tyler, I have emerged from my Darkness Retreat to end this podcast with a hot take, and this is going to be proof that, whether you like to hear it or whether you don't, people watching or listening, I, I'm not, I'm not a fanboy, man. This is what I'm gonna tell you: the Jets get Aaron Rodgers. I think by the time the offseason's over, you can make a very fair case that I think the Jets might be the best on paper, the best team in that division. Now, I still think Josh Allen's a better quarterback than than Aaron Rodgers, and that means a lot. But I love, I like the Jets roster with Zach Wilson right now. It's like go get a quarterback. Jets are good, man. That defense is good. That front four is good. You got maybe the best corner in football already. Garrett Wilson is great. Reese Hall is really good. The line's all right. I mean, they um, Vera Tucker was hurt last year. They still got some capital. Be Becton was hurt. Yeah. The Jets are for real, man. You know, we're talking Buffalo, Miami, Miami, Buffalo. You better throw the Jets in there, especially if they get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, as hypercritical as I've been of Aaron Rodgers, I'm totally with you. Yeah. He plays at his best. When he's pissed off and he has, you know, in the, it's funny in the past, he's kind of poo pooed the argument that he took his game to an MVP level after the Jordan love pick. And, and then on this podcast talking about his darkness retreat, he basically said that was the case. 
that they drafted my replacement and I won two MVPs. This would motivate Aaron Rodgers, right? I, I do think every quarterback this side of Tom Brady is going to fall off that cliff at 40. It's just inevitable. You see it with everybody. I mean, Manning, Breeze, Marino, Big Ben, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, they all become shells of themselves at this exact age. So that would worry me. But um, the team are, is really good. They've drafted. It's crazy. What a dichotomy. I mean, Joe Douglas has drafted so well, but they've just whipped so terribly at quarterback. At, that this, this could be a move. I think they're a playoff team. I don't think that they overtake the Bills. But I think the Jets get in the playoffs. I think if I think if three playoff teams, the Bills, Jets, and the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I'll tell you. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to be MVP Rodgers anymore. He just needs to be adequate, and, and I think the Jets are going to be very much uh, in the mix. Anyway, that will do it for this episode. Make sure you follow Ty on Twitter, at Ty Gunn. Subscribe, go long, go get the book, man. Bloody guts. I can't call it a great book. I mean, other people could call it. <laughs> I appreciate a great the book. honesty. You're I, not gonna I will call it a great book in about six and a half days from now. No show, well, plenty of podcasts next week. I'll talk in Buffalo, but no live show next week here at Imperial Pizza. I'm going to be in Florida the following week. I'm going to be back and I'm going to have Matt Reno with me one more time. Thank you very much, Imperial Pizza, for sponsoring this show. The wings were the bomb as always. Fantastic. Fantastic wings. All right, guys, talk to you soon. Have a, a good weekend. Plenty of football stuff coming up again. Make sure you check out Ty at uh, Go Long. Talk to you guys later.